Today we're continuing our sermon series called I'm Yours. And in the I Am Sayings of John that we feature in our, um, our shepherd's garden here, we are hearing this word over and over, I am from Jesus, I am from Jesus. But what God through Christ was all about was hearing I am yours from us. I'm in a relationship with you, Lord. And the I am sayings of Jesus, they're not just standalone sayings. They are, are sayings that are born in the midst of context. And, and we remembered a few weeks ago the woman who was caught in the act of adultery. We know that story, how the religious officials bring her to Jesus. And they quote the law, how she's to be stoned to death. And Jesus made that statement as he was scratching in the ground. The one of you who is without sin, you cast the first stone. And they all drop their stones and go away. And Jesus said, I am the light of the world. And last week we looked at the little boy's offering of the two fish and the five barley loaves and how uh, that offering was made to Jesus and he prayed over it and 5,000 people were fed. And the next day they all follow him again. And Jesus in the context of his teaching said to them, I am the bread of life. And today the text is Jesus visiting the tomb of his dear friend, Lazarus, and saying, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, the very first sermon I've preached here at Lover's Lane, I'm sure all of you remember it, April the 5th, 1998. It was a Palm Sunday, and the text that I used that day was this story of Lazarus. And I remember we had the children's story that day and a little guy who was six years old named James Mills came out from the back and he was wrapped in this white cloth. I don't even know where we got it, but it looked good. He looked kind of like a mummy and he came out and of course we all enjoyed it. And, and, and we also centered in on what it was like when Lazarus was called forth from the grave. You know, one of the greatest miracles in the Bible is the raising of Lazarus from the grave. And we're blessed, I think, with the context of this story. Because in the context of this story, we see both the humanity and the divinity of Jesus. For Jesus comes to be with the family, Mary and Martha and their brother Lazarus. And this family is one with whom he has been in their home many times. Uh, about Lazarus, it was said that that your your beloved friend, the one you love, is sick when Jesus first got the word of Lazarus' sickness. So Jesus, in talking about Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were talking about a family that Jesus loved. And when he finally gets to that place, we'll pick that up in the story And Lazarus has already died. And Mary and Martha are weeping and the whole crowd is weeping. We see the humanity of Jesus ringing true in that shortest verse in the Bible. Jesus wept. He wept because his heart was touched. His human heart was touched by the compassion 
that he was seeing given to Mary and Martha and the sorrow that was being expressed by so many. And then when he raises Lazarus from the dead, the divinity of Christ is seen so clearly. So let's stand for the reading of God's word from the 11th chapter of John's gospel. We're going to read a little bit more than we have in the bulletin today. We'll begin with the 17th verse. When Jesus arrived, he found that Lazarus had already been in the tomb for four days. And now Bethany was near Jerusalem, some two miles away. And many of the Jews had come to Martha and Mary to console them about their brother. And when Martha heard that Jesus was coming, she went and met him on the road while Mary stayed at home. Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now I know that God will give you whatever you ask of him. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection on the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. Those who believe in me, even though they die, will live. And everyone who lives and believes in me will never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe that you are the Messiah, the Son of God, the one coming into the world. And when she had said this, she went back and she called her sister Mary and told her privately, the teacher is here and is calling for you. And when she heard it, she got up quickly and ran and went to him. And now Jesus had not yet come into the village, but was still at a place where Martha had met him. The Jews who were with her in the house consoling her saw Mary get up quickly and go out. They followed her because they thought that she was going to the tomb to weep there. When Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she knelt at his feet and said to him, Lord, if you'd have been here, my brother would not have died. When Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her also weeping, he was greatly disturbed in spirit and deeply moved. He said to him, Lord, come and see. Jesus began to weep. So the Jews said, See how he loved him? But some of them said, Could not he who opened the eyes of the blind man have kept this man from dying? When Jesus, again greatly disturbed, came to the tomb, it was a cave and a stone was lying against it. Jesus said, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of the dead man, said to him, Lord, already there is a stench because he's been dead four days. And Jesus said to her, Did I not tell you that if you believed, you would see the glory of God? So they took away the stone. And Jesus looked upward and said, Father, I thank you for having heard me. I knew that you always hear me, but I have said this for the sake of the crowds standing here so that they may believe that you sent me. When he had said this, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth, come out. And the dead man came out, his hands and feet bound with strips of cloth and his face 
wrapped in a cloth. Jesus said to them, unbind him and let him go. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Let's break this statement down just a bit. Jesus said, I am the resurrection. I am the resurrection power. So what does it mean to know Jesus as resurrection? He made it clear he's not talking about the resurrection on the last day. He's not talking about his resurrection because it hadn't happened yet. He's talking about I am the resurrection and the life. Now, death is an aspect of human life that we cannot ignore. And when Jesus is talking about resurrection, he's particularly talking about resurrection in light of death. And fear of death or anxiety over the reality is a natural part of the human condition. I love the Broadway uh, play Showboat. And there's this line in it, and I know that we would all recognize it, sung by a gentleman, usually in a deep voice, baritone or bass. And the line is, I gets weary and sick of trying. I'm tired of living, but I'm scared of dying. And the realities of death grip each and every one of us. And Jesus knew the secret to death's power. That it was found in the fear of death. So somehow the fear of dying can trap us from the very purpose that God intends for us. And yet we worship a living God. A resurrected Lord. Who comes to us to remind us that we are here to experience living forever. And the same power that Jesus demonstrated in raising Lazarus is the truth that God wants for us, each of us, to be raised from death to life. So when we hear Jesus say, I am the resurrection and the life, we're reminded of the two I am sayings back to back where Jesus said, I am the good shepherd, I am the gate. And in the midst of that, I have come that you may have life and have life more abundantly. Harvard University is considered one of the greatest academic institutions in America and around the world. I read something just this week that they received students at the highest SAT scores and the brightest minds, which was no surprise... But the president of Harvard was asked, what is the greatest problem you see at the university? And his reply was, emptiness. There is no meaning or passion of life. Everybody seems to be bored. No fulfillment. And and so we hear these words, even in light of us going through the motions of life, whether that be at Harvard or right here in Dallas, Texas, whether that be, um, you know, in the midst of our relationships or in the midst of some circumstance that has us completely captivated. 
Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. You know, the story of Lazarus is one that has Jesus giving two commandments to the church, in essence, that gathered there that day. And the first commandment was, remove the stone. Remove the stone. Roll away the stone that covers the grave where Lazarus is. Now, could Jesus have removed the stone himself? Probably. But Jesus knows how important it is for the church to be about the business, his business, and this particular act of belief. Roll away the stone. Now, Martha, always the practical one, raises the question, but Lord, he's been dead for four days. It's a hot environment here in Bethany. And he's going to stink. And Jesus reminded her of what he'd said. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? And you know, there's a part of Martha, I think, in all of us. We, we want death stones rolled away, but we're afraid of what it's going to be like if they are. So Jesus had the church remove the stone so that the dead man could hear. And the people could experience the glory of God. And then he prayed, directing the attention of the people to God, who ultimately bring life, brings life out of death. He said, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus came out of that tomb wearing what I'm going to call this morning dead man clothes. I mean, he was wrapped like a mummy in these cloths and there was nothing underneath. And he comes out in Jesus' second command to those who had gathered. Remove his clothes. Remove the cloths. And, and, and what we need to imagine is them in responding to him were probably removing pieces of their own garments and clothes in order to cover Lazarus' naked, vulnerable body. So Jesus says to the church, remove the dead man clothes. Now in the first sermon I preached some 20 plus a few weeks ago, 20 years, I told about once visiting a woman in the hospital wearing dead man clothes. Or maybe we should say dead woman clothes. To, to this day, in my ministry of 35 years now, one of the most compelling pictures that I have in my mind of the church being the church was in response to this woman wearing dead man clothes. She was in this hospital garb. She'd been checked into an emergency room. She had tried to take her own life. And she was so very distraught. And there was a reason for her actions. 
She was this wonderful Christian person. I mean, with so much joy in her heart. She was the one who was always there with the smile. She was the one, she was the Margaret Strother of that church, who was there with the children all the time. And she had been recognized not only in our little church and in our area, but the annual conference had recognized her for her wonderful work with children. She had three children, all of them very involved in the church. Her oldest daughter was the uh, was on the conference youth council. Her youngest daughter had a 10-year perfect attendance pin. And let me tell you something. That little girl didn't wake up every day and make sure she got to church. It was her mom, right? What a mom. But her husband at the time had a terrible drinking problem. And he'd had a wreck, DWI, it was his fault. And he'd broken his neck and he, 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 he wasn't able to work. And they, they had tremendous financial um, difficulties. And the pressure had gotten to the point of just being unspeakable and not knowing where to turn. She worked for a bank and she was a teller. Do you know where I'm going? And she'd stolen money and gotten caught. She was depressed and embarrassed and hopeless and in this emergency room, not knowing where to go, wearing hospital garb, but dead man clothes because the future was not for her. And she knew that she was facing federal prison time. So my question is, how can we possibly unbind her from the death clothes of guilt and shame and anxiety and doubt, all wrapped up in fear. And for her, death was the answer at the time of her deepest depression. I held her hand, not knowing what to say, but to listen. And to try to be encouraging and lift up hope. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And I believe that Jesus still today calls the church to roll away stones. And to cover those who have death clothes on. To take those clothes off and to cover them in their vulnerability. With God's grace. And we've seen dead men clothes. They look like addiction or anger or anxiety. They look like divorce or, or death of a loved one or the diagnosis of a disease. The loss of a job, the loss of health, the loss of dignity. We've seen people in dead men clothes. But the church has new clothes to offer. And for some, it's a 12-step group or a recovery group or some kind of support group that comes around an individual in pain and wraps them. As I mentioned already this morning, for some, it's the simple act of taking a prayer shawl to another who's at a point of, of where words really are not as important as the actions of love. A Sunday school class or a small group, how many times in my ministry I've seen classes and groups come around an individual in the midst of their vulnerability and be the church and clothe them. 
or a listening ear of a Stephen minister or a compassionate heart that just wants to be the presence of the resurrection and the life. I've told you about my friend I mentioned who was in the hospital. But let me tell you again. I was in the courtroom the day that she was sentenced to serve 30 days in federal prison. The courtroom was filled to the point that people were standing all around the room. Members of our church. She she pleaded guilty. And the church had raised $17,000 to pay her restitution. The church had hired her in the meantime to come on to our staff and to work. As The church put their arms around this woman in unbelievable ways. And the judge had read a letter that told all about this, about our belief in her and our love for her and our assurance that we would be there for her. And I'll never forget that judge as he put on his glasses and read her sentence. And then he took off his glasses and he stepped down off the bench. I'm going to have to put mine back on. I can't see. And he looked right at her. And he said, you have an amazing blessing. And people who love you and who stand beside you. That's a gift, he said. And then he turned and he looked at the church, his courtroom. And he said, I'm amazed. I've never seen or heard anything quite like this. I drove her to the federal prison a few days later. We ate at Uncle Julio's before. She went in. And she wore the prison garb. But it wasn't dead men clothes. Thirty days later, I picked her up. We ate at Uncle Julio's again. And she said, I got 180 letters From the church in 30 days. And the friends I made inside, they wondered about my church and I could witness about my church. And she said, I prayed with six of them to receive Christ 
I think the last hug I got on that Tuesday before getting in my car and coming to Dallas was this woman. And she was always so energetic and all full of joy and all of that energy and all of that joy was back again. And she grabbed me and nearly broke my ribs. And she said, I love you and I love our church and God is good. And you know what I said? All the time. And I don't exactly know how I said it. But I said something like, where are your dead man clothes? And I thought I heard her say, I left them in the tomb. Friends, we meet people every day in dead man clothes. We follow the God who said, I'm the resurrection and the life. And, and life begins today and lasts through eternity. We need to take actions of love to clothe those who are vulnerable. And give all the credit to the one who inspires us. I'm the resurrection and the life. Do you believe this? Amen.